Welcome to this week's episode of the Thinking Big Podcast. This week, we get to talk with Zach Hoffman about his leadership and really leadership across different cultures. Zach is a leadership developer, transformational coach, award-winning author, and former professional American football player. Zach has spent his 20s living in six different countries while playing football, and during his time abroad, Zach developed the SWA leadership concept based on his many thrilling and eye-opening experiences within various leadership roles across different cultures. So today, we're thinking big about our leadership. Welcome to the Thinking Big Podcast with Sean Osborne, the show helping you think bigger into your life and potential. Sean believes by equipping you with the tools, strategies, and philosophies required to be successful in all aspects of your life, you can achieve anything you believe in. Empowering our own growth makes a deeply positive and lasting impact on our lives, community, and our world. Now, here's Sean. Today we have a very special guest and I've been looking forward to having uh, Zach on the show with some of his leadership skills and some of his, some of his leadership concepts that he has uh, developed over the years. So Zach, welcome to the welcome to the podcast everyone listening. Welcome Zach on. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Sean. I really appreciate you allowing me to come on to this platform and talk a little bit about you know, leadership and kind of go back and forth a little bit. So again, really, really appreciate it and thank you for this opportunity. Now, one of the things that you talk about, the SWA uh, leadership stuff and the concept, it's really based on a lot of years of experience. And you also talk about it, it's based on, you know, your, your years of experience and the leadership roles that you had across cultures. You've been, you've done a lot of this throughout many cultures. And one of my questions is how how did you know learning new cultures help develop your leadership and your philosophy of, of how you do things? Because I think that's huge. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it was something I kind of underestimated when I first you know ventured overseas. I came to realize that every country in Europe, especially, um, you have to understand there are cultural differences in terms of leadership, in terms of how people are driven, in terms of what makes them tick. And as an athlete in Europe and as a coach, I had to adjust my leadership style depending on the environment I was in. So I'll give you a a small example. Um, When I was coaching in Italy, I came to realize that in Italy, it's a very kind of laid back culture. You know, it's hard to really push people to their limits. They kind of you know, they run away from that in a lot of ways. And so for me, I had to, that was an adjustment because growing up in the U.S., um, you know, with Northern European culture, mostly, you have to realize that that culture is, you know, you're strip, people want you to be pushed. That's just part of, you know, what, what happens there. And, and, you know, people push you to do and reach your limits. And as a coach in Italy, I, had some pushback from that, from my players. And I had to adjust to their way of doing things. And for me, that was a huge transition because it was a kind of a learning by doing process. And I had to adjust my coaching and leadership style in order to best fit the audience I was working with. And once I learned how to do that, I kind of see it as in a way of a superpower because you can succeed as a leader effectively in any situation, in any environment. If you're willing to first and foremost, take a step back, kind of review your situation, listen to what the people are saying, listen to what motivates them, 
And then you can adjust your style from there in order to best reach them and earn their respect. And so that's something I definitely learned, you know, working in these cultures. uh, And that's kind of what led to my leadership concept that I developed. I unfortunately did not get to travel that much growing up. I didn't get to travel until I started, uh, you know, maybe in my 40s when when we really started traveling. And I probably grew more in my 40s and more from traveling and working with other cultures and doing things in other cultures that I had no concept or no idea of beforehand. And I think it goes into whether you're leading teams in other countries or you're leading teams here, we're such a, you know, intermix of people in the United States that, you know, my teams are from all over the world. And it's that, that gave me probably more insight on how to lead people uh, here in the U S as a leadership, because you do, you have to understand. And until you go and travel, you don't understand these, you really don't understand these cultures. But once you travel and you see these cultures, it, it, it teaches us how to, I think, manage more effectively and better. And, and we take that into, you know, nowadays I take that into, uh, take it into account when I'm, when I'm working with people, when I'm leading people. Yeah, absolutely. What you just said there is, you know, a lot of times we don't realize until we venture outside of our hometown, we don't realize that there oftentimes are different way of doing things. And that oftentimes the way we learn something maybe isn't the best way to, you know, initiate that in another, in a different environment. And so that's something that kind of opened my eyes that, hey, there are different ways to lead and there are different strategies and there are different motivators out there. And you have to kind of open your mind and realize, well, hey, maybe the way I was raised, you know, that worked for me and that worked in my environment. But as I venture into this new opportunity, maybe I have to adjust. And if you can kind of really humble yourself and have that open mind, it's going to go a long way in terms of your ability to have success in those different environments, for sure. Oh, absolutely. And how do you view the difference between because you you, because you did it as both a player and as in coaching right how do you view the difference either in your style or just in general the difference between coaching and leadership and leading Mm -hmm. yeah so for me i think coaching is a form of leadership absolutely um and for me what a big adjustment i went through from a player to a coach is i have to you know, being a player my whole life, I really had to adjust to being a coach because a lot of times I was trying to coach like I was a player still. And I came to realize that you can't do that because as a coach, you can't physically go out and, you know, perform for your players. You have to give them the information in a way where they're going to accept it and respect you for that. And I believe that being a coach um, you know, adjusting from that lifestyle from an athlete to a coach really helped me in my development of becoming a more effective leader because I also began to realize some of the flaws I had as a player while I was coaching. I began to realize, hey, you know, maybe as a as a player, I was a little bit too hard on some of my teammates, or maybe I didn't encourage them enough like I should have, or maybe I didn't take the time to really lead on an individual basis rather than just, you know, leading in a general form. So being a coach really helped me improve my leadership skills just because I kind of learned how to take a more individualistic approach to leadership and how how to understand how different people tick and how to get the best out of each person within your group in order to benefit the team as a whole. And so that's something that I think as an athlete, I wasn't aware of 
or a little bit naive to. But as my careers, you know, into coaching went on, I began to really enhance on that and kind of realize, wow, there's a bigger picture here, you know. And so I think that was a huge part of my development and a huge part of, you know, forming the leadership concept that I did in my book. Yeah, I think you touched on such a huge, huge thing. And I think especially in, you know, the corporate America, you know, you did it within, you know, within sports, but I think it touches in corporate America so heavily is the movement from a team player to a leader. Mm. And I see that as one of the biggest obstacles in the teams uh, that, that, I, that I coach is like being a great soccer player, being, being a great football player doesn't mean you're going to be a great coach. It's a completely different skill set. And how how did you know when to make because a lot of people don't. They'll they'll stay in that position, they'll stay in their comfort zone of I'm a player, I'm a player, and they don't know the time to say, you know what, it's time to fold them, it's time to walk away, it's time to, you know, let's move on and do something. How did you know when to do that or how to do that? Yeah. It's a great question because I feel like, and this is what, you know, I try to teach the athletes that I work with is that, you know, your ability to play your sport, number one, it's very limited because all it takes is one injury, one coach telling you you're not good enough to play at the highest level. And then you have to find out, okay, what am I going to do with my life? So being an athlete, it's a very limited lifestyle. And I also say to the, you know, a lot of athletes I work with that, how dare you limit yourself and your ability as a person to simply being able to play a game. There's so many skills you learn in athletics that can take you along into becoming a successful entrepreneur, a successful business person. The key is a lot of athletes, they think that, you know, working hard the same way they did within their sport is going to get them results as they transition into other opportunities in life. When at the end, you have to understand that, you know, for athletes working hard, it's, it's our comfort zone because in the off season, we're training in the gym, we're lifting weights, we're running. These are all things that are necessary for our sport. And we consider that to be hard work. However, as you venture into coaching, as you venture into starting a business, your next, you know, your dream job, you have to understand you have to transition that hard work with that same mindset, but transition the work into something that's going to better suit your goals in this next venture. Because going to the gym and lifting a bunch of weights isn't going to help you build a business. It may be a part of it in terms of help building your foundation personally, but you have to restructure that hard work. And I notice a lot of athletes struggle with that because they think hard work means just performing physically. While when you're playing, that may mean something, but as you transition to other aspects of life, you have to realize that you have to use that mindset, but be able to shift that work into something more productive in terms of your goals. And so that's something I noticed and I've dealt with personally. And I just kind of realized that we have to understand, okay, how do I make this transition? And what is it going to take to make that transition? And then I need to take that mindset I had in athletics and apply that to this new venture, but in terms of, you know, helping me achieve my goals in that venture. And so that's something I, I've dealt with. And I, I try to help a lot of young athletes realize that your ability to play a sport is great, all fine and dandy, but eventually it's going to end and you're going to have to find your ultimate purpose in life. And that's going to require you being able to, you know, 
adjust yourself as a person, really look deep within yourself, open your mind. And in the end, it's about, I say this in my book, leaving a legacy. And what I mean by that is, what are you leaving behind when you leave this earth that others can look back on and say, wow, I can carry that in on, that can carry this into my life. What, what, what are you leaving behind? Because it's not your ability to throw a football or hit a baseball or shoot a basketball because that will be forgotten. So what impact are you having on others? And so that's something that I think kind of ties into everything I've learned overseas and something I try to, you know, give to the people I work with. You touched on so many things in there. And one of them is, you know, the legacy, how we, you know, why people follow us. What do, what do, what, what are we going to leave behind? And I think if you look at it from a sports standpoint, you know, people on your teams, they followed other players and looked up, up, up to other players, not because of what they said, mm-hmm. but because of what they did. They followed them because they wanted to, not because it's a hierarchy. And I think, you know, so when you go into businesses and you go into, you know, corporate, you see a lot of hierarchical based leadership. And I think that's a huge, huge problem. And again, look at sports, you know, just because someone says they're the leader and you know, on the chart, they're the leader. People aren't going to follow that person because of that. You're not going to get their full, you know, their, their full potential by them just following you because they have to, because their paycheck says they have to, you know, what are we doing as, as a leader for them wanting to, wanting to follow us? And I think exactly what you said, I think that translates very well to, uh, to the corporate world. Mm, Absolutely. What now, when you made your, your transition, you know, I think a lot of people don't give themselves the benefit to fail. Uh, they think, you know, especially in sports, you know, you're playing at these, these high levels and it's very clear when you make a mistake, when you're out there on the field, I mean, it's crystal clear. you, You effed up. You know, that's, exactly. you know, and, and I think that translate, do you think that translates into, uh, like being a leader, you know, not allowing yourself to, to fail like we should be able to? Yes. Um, I think that a lot of times we grow up in, in sports and maybe in business too, we see failure as weakness, but we have to realize that failure has can be, can be turned into strength if we're willing to you know, learn from that. And I, what I kind of realized is that failure is a good thing. You know, I mean, if if you apply that and, you know, learn from it, because a lot of people, they fail and they get discouraged and they fail and it just starts a pattern of, 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 you know, not succeeding and not, and then their confidence goes down and then they're, you know, in a hole. But if you can learn to, in business and athletics, see failure as a way to learn and an experience rather than a result, then I feel like that's going to take you to places far and beyond because a lot of people, they look at failure and they think that's the end all be all. Oh, I'm a failure. I, that didn't, I didn't work out for me. So I got to try something else. But if we can really indulge ourselves in the experience of failure and kind of understand that, Hey, we can learn from this and we can grow from this and that dealing with, you know, rejection is part of life and dealing with rejection is going to happen in all aspects of business and sports, then we can essentially prepare ourselves for when we're in that position to have success. And so for me, failure has been something that, you know, I've dealt with, and I think we've all dealt with at one point or another, 
but as I've you know gotten older and had these experiences, I've kind of learned how to use it to my advantage rather than letting it bring me down. Like, you know, maybe I would have when I was younger, but that's all part of experience. And I think that's the only way you can grow is just to, a lot of people think it's, they wait for the perfect time to start a venture. They, they think, oh, I, because if I don't wait till I have enough money, if I don't wait till I'm old enough, whatever that may be, then I'll fail. But at the end, if you don't know what to do, do it and then figure out and pick up the pieces along the way. And so that's kind of what I learned. And I've found a lot of power in that. Just do it. And then as time goes on, you're going to meet people who are going to help you. You're going to reach out to people and you're going to pick up the pieces and, you know, put it together. And I think a lot of people waste a lot of time because they are afraid to just start. They yeah. think, what am I going to do? I, I'm not in the right position. It's not the right time in my life. Well, when is it going to be the right time? It's never going to be the perfect time. And right. you just decide to do it. And for me, that's part of failure. You just have to, that's, that's embracing failure because at that point, you kind of know you're probably not going to succeed at first, but you're willing to deal with that because you know that eventually that success is in your future. Working with people as, as clients and stuff, that's probably one of the biggest things that, that I run into is people always do that. They're like, I don't have the time right now, or I don't have the money right now, or I don't know the people right now, or I don't have the the technical skills that I, you know, the skill sets I need to do that. I don't have this, I don't have that. And it's, to me, that is just ass backwards. You've got to make the decision and do it. You're going to meet the people. You're going <laughs> to, you will find the money. You will find the time once you make that damn decision and you, and you move forward. Now you just, now you have your, uh, you know, your book out and uh, your uh, leadership, you know, concepts that you teach that I absolutely love those. Can you talk a little bit about and describe a little bit about your uh, leadership concepts that you have in your book? Sure, absolutely. In fact, it goes back to what we just talked about with failure. It starts with leading yourself. And I think that's what that's all about, you know, having self-leadership and understanding that in order to effectively lead others, you have to first and foremost effectively lead yourself. And by leading yourself, what I talk about in my book is a personal foundation. And what what is a strong personal foundation? What defines that? And in my opinion, it starts with sacrifice. You have to be able to make sacrifices if you want to be in a leadership role. And by sacrifices, I mean worldly pleasures, um, you know, going out on the weekends, uh, staying out late. Because whether you want to believe it or not, when you're in a leadership role, regardless if you actually have the skills to be an effective leader, when you're in that role, eyes are on you. And that's a huge responsibility. And that's what I mean by sacrifice, because your followers are watching you. They're, they're, they're watching you to see what's acceptable, how far can you know my limits be pushed. So you have to set the example for yourself in your own life and really make that sacrifice. And then from there, once you've developed you know that strong personal foundation that I discussed, then you can kind of branch off into the soft skills or people skills necessary for the environment that you're in. And I use nine separate tools. Uh, in my leadership concept, for example, one of them is uh, listening, one of them is um, nurturing. And so there's a lot of you know tools that I use that are effective in athletics and also in my business ventures, which I've had. But the great thing about my concept is that you know those soft skills can change depending on the environment you're in. So once you have that strong personal foundation, 
you can be confident enough as a leader where you can go into any environment, observe the situation, listen to what people have to say, understand what makes them ticked, and adjust your softer social skills in order to fit that environment. And that's why for me, I call it the Swiss Army leadership strategy because the Swiss Army knife, it can perform many tasks. It can be multifaceted. It can do a lot of things. And I believe, and what I've come to learn, especially within a multicultural environment, that as a leader, an effective leader, we have to be Swiss Army knives. We have to adjust to our surroundings. We have to adjust to the people we're working with in order to get the best out of them. And if we're able to get the best out of them, we're going to earn their respect as a leader. And then for me, our possibilities as a team would be endless because once we have that respect and that camaraderie as a group, then our possibilities as a team are going to go through the roof. But it all starts with you as a person, leading yourself, leading by example, you could say. And then from there, understanding your environment and developing those necessary soft skills in order to succeed within that environment. Yeah, I think you know one of the things I see is people don't either realize or they don't accept that they have to continue to grow in order to be effective uh, in their leadership. You know, one of my favorite quotes was, uh, I can't remember even who did who said it, but was, you're either at the table or you're on the menu. It's like, you're, you're either growing or you're dying. You know, you're either being eaten or you're, you know, you, you got to continue to grow. So going back to like your transition from going from, you know, a team player, from, from, from playing to, to coaching, what was one of the biggest mistakes? If you look back, one of the biggest mistakes that you made, but looking back, it's like that was probably one of your biggest growing yeah. moments. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this moment can apply to all facets of life, not just sports. I would say I was a young guy and you know I wanted to be judged on my performance and how good of a performer I was. And I think a lot of young um People going into their career also, they think, oh, I have to prove myself in my field. I have to perform, which we all know is important. A lot of our jobs and our production is judged based on performance. But what I didn't realize and I failed to realize at a young age was that the power and the impact that I could have on the next generation and that I took for granted. And so for me, being an athlete overseas, a lot of times you work with youth clubs, um, and you know you're you're working a lot with the youth teams and as my career kind of went on at first i didn't take it very seriously i thought hey you know i'm here to play football you know i'll show these kids if you know thing or two if they ask but as my career went on i think my main focus shifted from performing to really mentoring because i started to see that you know i was never meant to play in the nfl but i knew that I could have an impact on these people and I could leave something behind that they could then carry on into their lives. And so I think for me at first, for sure, was I regret that I didn't understand that earlier. And I think a lot of young people have to realize that don't get caught up in, in all, don't invest yourself solely in performance because in the end, that's not going to give you fulfillment. The fulfillment that you find in your career is going to be with the impact that you leave behind on other people. And if you can understand that and, you know, kind of embrace that as a young age, that's going to set you up for success because you're just going to network and build relationships. And that's what builds lasting relationships, really genuinely yeah. wanting to impact other people. And I wish I would have learned that earlier 
But as time went on, that was a great lesson for me, no doubt about it. And I think one of the things that that ties into all this, and it, I think it ties into everything, but and you hear you you know, especially if you're in the you know personal development space or even some leadership space, but you you know you hear people talk about you know the comfort zone, mm. and you can call it. There's many different things. How how would you look at you know the the comfort zone and how it. Mm-hmm. It can, it, you know, to me, it, it, there's certain times you have to be in the comfort zone, but then there's certain times where it's going to, if you stay there, it, it, to me, it'll kill you. I mean, you, you're not going to go anywhere. Absolutely. And that's another thing I think that for me was amazing because when I first went to Europe, that decision that I made to leave my comfort zone, go overseas when I've never been, you know, out of the country was a huge step for me. And I think that set me up for the path that I've took you know, into having a 10 year career in Europe, um, becoming a coach, an athlete, an author that set me up for my ultimate destiny. And at the time, I often think back, if I wouldn't have made that decision at that time, if I would have listened to my family and my friends telling me, no, stay here, do, do what you're doing. You're on the right path. I don't think I ever would have went overseas and been able to live the life that I have. And an example I like to say to a lot of people is comfort is like a blanket. It's like a warm blanket in the winter. It keeps us warm. It keeps us, you know, nice and cozy, but it also can douse the fire within us. And a lot of yeah. people don't realize that that blanket, while it's keeping you warm, it's also putting out that fire, that internal fire within you to reach your full potential. And that's something that I learned that, like you just said, in order to leave, in order to experience your full potential as a human, you have to embrace discomfort. And until you do that, you're never going to reach your full potential because it's not easy. It's, it's we, every, our atmosphere, everything around us is telling us, no, stay here, stay here. You're on the right path. Don't leave. But in the end, in or, if we have to make that decision as a person and understand ourselves and know that we're capable of more. And once we know that we're capable of more, we have to make that decision because it's such a powerful move. If you're able to make that decision, your life is going to change for sure. If you don't get out of your comfort zone and you don't, you don't embrace that and you don't get out of it, all you are today is all you're ever going to be. Mm. And it's like, now that is scary. It's, it's scary to get out of the comfort zone and, and go do things that are big and bold. That's what thinking big is all about. It's getting out of that comfort zone and going and doing these big things. But if we don't, 20 years, you're going to be the same person you are today. And now that, to me, that is a hell of a lot more scarier than going out of my comfort zone and actually doing something. Now, going back to that decision you made to go, you know, when people were saying, no, you should probably stay here and just continue doing what you were doing. Was that a, and, and I'm just from interest, was that a feeling that you had? Was it a, a, a the gut feeling, the you listening to, to me, infinite intelligence saying, hey, you need to go do that. And most people ignore that and they, they stay in their comfort zone. But how, how did you get that message? Like, no, I, I, I've, I've got to do this. I've got to move on. Yeah, it was a very tough, uh, I guess, situation for me, no doubt, because I grew up as a young person wanting to be a professional athlete. That's all I ever wanted to do. I invested literally my whole childhood in that. That's just what I wanted to become. And I was drawn to American football. And in my mind, I was going to play in the NFL as as a quarterback. That was my ultimate dream. But I think as time went on, I came to the realization, given my situation, that that was likely not going to become my reality. 
And that hit me pretty hard. I, I was a 20 year old. I remember it very vividly. I was sitting in my dorm room in college and it kind of all hit me a rush of emotions at once. And I realized that what, this dream is not going to come true. And I knew that given that situation, I had to make a drastic decision because even more than my passion of wanting to play in the NFL, I feared living a life where I would have no impact at all on anyone, where I would just live my life, die. No one would have any memory or recollection of the, uh, the legacy or the influence I left behind. That fear was even stronger than my will to make it to the NFL. And I knew that the path I was on, I was on a path towards, I don't want to say mediocrity, but I was on a path towards what everyone else was doing. Going to school, get a four-year degree, get a job, family, and all this. Not that anything wrong with it. I think that's that's amazing. But for me, it wasn't what I wanted. And I knew that I had to make that drastic choice in order to find my ultimate destiny. And so for me, that moment in my dorm room and my willingness and, you know, kind of ability to make that decision to, at the time, leave school, um, move back home and kind of figure out what I was going to do and figure out what my ultimate path was, that changed my life. And a lot, of, and like I said before, when I, I look back often and I think, wow, what if I wouldn't have made that decision? And I think a lot of people can relate to that. I think we all have moments yeah. in our lives where we deal with it. People don't realize that one decision can completely change and alter everything about you, your entire life, everything that you do. And the way I always look at it is if, if the decision makes sense, it's probably not the right one. Because yeah. I'm, I'm at this level, you know, and, and this is my thought, this is my comfort zone. And if this decision fits in line with that, it's not the right decision. I've got to go with the decision that's, you know what, it's against the grain. It's above that. It doesn't make sense. It's because I've got to, to me, that's the only way I can get, you know, I can get out of, of, of my, my comfort zone. That changes your whole life, you know, that one decision. And it's like, you know, Everyone that's listening, you know, where are you at right now? Are, are you being challenged with the decision? Make the tough one, make the hard one. Cause that, that tough decision, that hard one, that's the one that's going to change your life. That's the one that's going to change the trajectory of, of where you, you know, where you go and where you end up. But man, that is, that is powerful. And if you look back, just think where, where would you be if you had just stayed in school? You no, know I would have, I would have probably, you know, I would have probably had success in another realm, but I'd tell you this, I would definitely not trade that for what the experiences that I've had. Uh, and I, yeah. people, they think, well, I can't make this decision given my situation. Maybe I have a family to look after. I have responsibilities that don't allow me to make that decision, which I totally understand. And I, and I, and I can understand that. But I also think that there are also small steps we can make in order to eventually you know, have the life that we want. And if you can't make a drastic decision, given your current situation, ask yourself, okay, what small decision can I make today in order to shift my, my goal or shift my habits into the life that I want? And I think everyone can ask themselves that question. If we can't make a drastic decision, what little decision can I make? And then that builds on another decision, another decision that's going to eventually take me to my path. 
thank you so much, Zach, for for being. This is such great, great, uh, great stuff. Now, I want to make sure that people have, you know, in the in the show notes, we're going to put the link to uh, to your book, and we're also going to put a link to uh, you have a leading by example uh, course that you have, and we're, we're going to put that in the in the in the uh, show notes as well for everyone to go to. So, Absolutely. again, thank you. Yeah, thank you for being on. Thank you very much, Sean. I appreciate it.